What's up, everyone? This is episode number 71 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Okay, today's game plan is as follows. I'm going to cover some general hobby happenings. I want to talk about uh, the return of the NBA and what that might look like. And then I want to discuss some of my recent mail, which I don't do often. But some of my recent stuff provides a good opportunity to continue to offer up some perspective on collecting in 2020. I think it gives a good snapshot of how I'm evolving to look at uh, trading, how I'm adapting to buying in the current market, uh, and so on. And then, uh, you know, maybe some of it's just mental, but either way, it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about navigating the hobby today, and I think it's worth sharing. All right. So let's start off with the hobby happenings. Um, there's not a lot that I want to highlight this week, but I do have two things. So first, for those of you that are enrolled in the eBay Bucks program, the second quarter certificates have dropped. eBay sent me an email to remind me that I earned those, but to no surprise, I spent them before they even got to my inbox. Some of you might know that struggle all too well. If you are not receiving eBay Bucks, make sure you sign up for it in your profile. You might have to jump on the computer to do it, but it's worth it. It's free. It's easy. Those of you that follow me on Instagram, I try to give updates when I see some sort of eBay Bucks promo. Look, I don't make any money for saying this. I don't make any money for directing you there. I'm just trying to help you out because the fact of the matter is, if you're listening to this, it's highly likely that you use eBay. Um, so now that those certificates are in, you know, I'd love for you to tag me in pictures of your new purchases on Instagram this week because they're probably all of that mail is going to start rolling in soon. Speaking of Instagram, uh, that segues to the second topic I want to highlight real quick this week. There is a new little hashtag challenge called the $1 card challenge. And that's hashtag the number one and then dollar challenge all spelled out dollar card challenge all spelled out Um, and it was started by a good friend and listener of the show named james some of you know him better as captain jack collector i might add that he also did me a huge favor a couple weeks ago and removed a really bad echo on one of my sound files and i'm really clueless about all that stuff so thank you james Um, but anyway james posted a picture of one of his lower valued cards with the following caption. He said, find a roughly $1 card that you love in your collection and share it with the hashtag. The card can have a special significance to you or maybe you just like it a lot. Share away even if you weren't nominated. Some might have 50 plus cards to choose from while others may really have to think outside the box. Now, what I like about this is that it kind of breaks up the chain of posts with the same cards that we see again and again on social media. And I don't want to take anyone's joy away from posting cards that they're proud of, but from a consumption standpoint, because we all, if you're on social media, you're consuming it, right? From a consumption standpoint, you can only see a Zion prison card so many times before it gets old or substitute any popular card right now. So something like this definitely puts the spotlight on some different cards. 
and it was a challenge that everyone could take part in. I liked that aspect of it, and hopefully it encouraged some people that they can have a lot of fun in this hobby without always breaking the bank. So, you know, if you haven't done that yet, if you haven't checked that out, it's not too late. There's not a real timetable on this thing. Jump on, submit a card of your own, click on the hashtag, see what other people have submitted as well. And, you know, really this whole thing is is a, a bit of a preview for today's main segment. But um, before, you know, way before I get there, I'm going to share part of my entry here to the $1 card challenge. And it was a card I got in the mail this week, so the timing was perfect. The card that I showed off was a 2019-2020 Hoops tip-off insert. I know, Hoops, right? Uh, With Miles Turner and Nikola Vucevic. And the reason that I chose this one is as follows. Back in December of 2018, my wife and I went to a Pacers Magic game for my birthday. And we always try to catch the Pacers when they're close, but this time we splurged for nicer seats. And I have a weird little habit. Every time I go to a game, I try to take a picture uh, of tip-off. Now, little did I know, a professional photographer was seated on the same side as us from a very similar angle, and the action shot that they took made it into an insert for 2019-2020 hoops. And you guys will have to go to my profile and check out that post because I've added the picture that I took, uh, a very similar angle, at the end of the post, um, which is the sequence that followed the jump ball depicted on the card. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, It's still on my bucket list to somehow get on a licensed NBA card, but I feel like I'm getting closer. In the meantime, though, I should stick to talking about the pros that are on these cards and should be the focus of these cards, not me. So this week, NBA players are making their way to Orlando. And I've referenced this uh, NBA return in this proposed bubble before, but I want to try and provide some insight on what this will look like. So I'm going to pull some information from a June 22nd uh, Ringer article by Haley O'Shaughnessy. And if you want more details, I encourage you to check that out. All right, so once players get to Orlando, which like I said, some teams already have, they have to stay alone in their hotel rooms for the first day or two. And the goal is to get two negative COVID tests. And Once that happens, they're allowed to start having more interactions. However, they still can't visit each other's rooms, which is interesting. Um, you know, I know there were many other restrictions that they that were placed on them. There's this huge guidebook that's out there. You can read some of that stuff. Um, some of it, you know, like no doubles in ping pong, which seems a little goofy, seen as they're going to be making contact and um, yelling to one another and sweating uh, during games. But the NBA is doing what they can to minimize the risk between games. So, um, and even so much so that they can only use uh, each pack of playing cards once. Still, uh, the league is, is doing what it can for these players. It has other activities planned. They have, you know, barbers coming in. They're, it's kind of like a summer camp vibe to this whole thing. But like I said, they're making the best uh, with what they have. Um, now, players are not allowed to leave the bubble without permission, and, and that makes sense. Otherwise, it wouldn't be much of a bubble. No guests will be allowed in until the second round of the playoffs And I'm assuming that these guests will be tested continually before coming in and will have some sort of an isolation period. 
Um, I would be more concerned about all the hotel staff, the chefs, etc., because you know they still go home to their families every day, and to me that breaks the bubble. But anyway, I hope everyone stays safe, and I hope it works. Enough about the logistics of the bubble, though. What about the actual games? And so I'm going to pull some of this information from a Washington Post article. I'm finding a lot of this stuff is kind of scattered. I'm going to try and bring it all in one place for you. So as you guys already know, there were 22 teams that were invited. And all teams will play eight regular season games in the first two weeks. And these games are going to take place in three different gyms. Some of these gyms will have up to seven games a day. I can assure you, if I'm working from home at this time, I will be consuming basketball nearly nonstop. Uh, Now, these eight regular season games are going to be very important. And, um, you know, at that point when they start, we will have gone over four months without games. So teams will need this time to reestablish their chemistry. They need this time to get back into playing shape. You know, hopefully it prevents some injuries, although I'm sure they're bound to happen. You know, nothing is 100% preventable. Uh, This is also a unique situation where home court advantage means absolutely nothing. Opponents and matchups are everything. Um, When I look at my favorite team, the Pacers, when I look at their schedule, they're currently fifth place in the Eastern Conference behind the Heat. Two out of their last three games in this period will be played against the Heat. So if these two teams end up playing a seven-game series, they might play nine games in roughly two weeks. And they can't throw those regular season games away either because they need them to get back in shape. So this um, that could make for a really interesting first-round matchup. And that's just for teams that we know are already in. Um, as this Washington Post article explains... There's some excitement surrounding the eighth seed in each conference. So the article says, um, quote, After the uh, eight extra games, the NBA will use a play-in round, and if the ninth seed in either conference is within four games of the eighth seed, during the play-in round, the eighth seed would need to win one game against the ninth seed to advance to the playoffs, while the ninth seed would need to win twice in a row to advance. Um, They continue, in the Eastern Conference, the Washington Wizards will seek to push the Brooklyn Nets or the Orlando Magic for the eighth seed. In the West, five teams are chasing the Memphis Grizzlies for the final spot. So um, if all of this works, you know, hopefully nothing horrible happens. Um, You know, who knows what would happen if, if, let's say, you know, 10 or 15 players get the coronavirus. But... um, If all of this works and the league is able to play in NBA Finals, we will finally crown a 2020 champion. And people are already thinking ahead to that, and it's it's interesting. They're already putting an asterisk on this title. Now, without a doubt, this is a bizarre season with a lot of strange twists and turns, and I'm sure there are some teams that are just looking to make it through this and to move on to the next year. They just want to survive and get through this, right? Um... But I still feel pretty confident that the main contenders are going to take this seriously. And by the time we get to the finals, we're going to get some really intense basketball. Now, what happens if a guy like LeBron or Giannis gets coronavirus and their team loses because of that? Well, you know, first and foremost, uh, health and safety should be the number one priority. Um, At the same time, each team has their own struggles that they have to get through. And I don't think... 
any team is going to have an easy path to the finals, even if something happens to one of their biggest threats on the court. Um, To kind of emphasize this point, I want to talk real quick about an interesting article I looked at this week by a guy named Tom Haberstroh, and he addressed this same thing. Um, He stated, quote, Even though every team is managing through the same global pandemic, Many have said the 2020 NBA title will be tainted by the advantages afforded to the eventual champ. I think it's only appropriate to place this year's playoffs in proper historical context. To that end, here's a a comprehensive list of NBA titles in chronological order that deserve an asterisk due to the unfair and or questionable circumstances. So you're expecting a kind of a scattered list. But he lists literally every season in NBA history. And some of them are more legitimate than others. You guys will have to go and check those out. But if you step back and don't take this too seriously, he makes a good point. There's something that happens just about every year that majorly affects the outcome of the NBA title. And it also goes to show that while skill is a major factor, luck plays a part in things as well. So just keep that in mind, you know, as as we go through this. Um, either way, I'm excited about the return of the league. I'll be tuning in to see what teams can overcome adversity and what teams will benefit from a little bit of luck at the same time. But it will just be nice to have basketball back. And I'm thankful that these guys are willing to make sacrifices for us fans. And I don't take it lightly. So with all of that being said, though, you know, this is a basketball card podcast, and all of these bubble games that I just talked about, they will certainly have an effect on the hobby as well. And 20 years ago, a player would have to string together a really good month or two to get an up arrow in Beckett and get some momentum, right? Well, on the contrary, think about how much um, things moved just in this time when players weren't even playing. You know, all it takes now is a tweet from someone or an Instagram post or, and there's a chain reaction from there. Things are moving so quick. Um, and then, you know, even when we had games, we were getting to that point where we've seen value spike after just one performance or we've seen value spike after summer league games. Um, I don't think these bubble games will be any exception. You have to imagine some guys are going to have great single game performances here that will make their cards move. And I already see people speculating and trying to cash in. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, You do have to watch out, though, because people are going to use every reason they possibly can to um, inflate a card or a player's value. And some of it, I think, is really goofy. Uh, Someone tagged me in um, a tweet this week where a selling platform was tweeting about Al Horford cards. And they were encouraging people to invest in Al Horford. You know, that big man that the Sixers essentially brought in as an insurance policy to Joel Embiid. That guy, right? Well, what was their reason? Um, They said that he's cheaper and that he's a great glue guy. Well, um, I get the economics of the suggestion, right? They said to buy 20 Horfords instead of a big Embiid or a Simmons. But you also have to factor in who wants to try and move 20 Al Horford cards, Um, Then again, I've talked about the influence that some of these people have, and um, they very well could move all Al Horford cards because of this. You know, anyone that has any type of presence now 
seems to have some you know similar power. They could create worth and validate it all on their own. So just be mindful if you see something like that and if you see an increase in prices like that, it's not likely to last. Uh, another example I saw this week of speculation, I saw someone asking about investing in J.R. Smith. And if I would have seen that four months ago, I, I probably would have chimed in and said something. But I've realized now, you know, all of the information's out there. If you've been around long enough, just ride the waves. If you have J.R. Smith cards, don't hype them. But if the interest is there and people are talking about them, ride the waves and use this time to move those things because you might, you'll probably never be able to get rid of them for a reasonable price ever again. Um, and that can be said for a lot of players right now. If you're new to this, try, um, try not to get too caught up in the hype. You might want to start off with some small, safe moves um, of you know legitimate players so you can enjoy this hobby and not get hurt by it. You know, just be very cautious with what you do. Uh, now, for those of you that have been in the hobby for at least a few years, though, I think it's safe to say that your collecting habits and strategies have had to change a little in 2020, if not a lot. Um, even if it's as simple as saying, well, I'm just going to have to spend more. That's still a change that you've had to come to terms with. And, um, you know, personally... Well, my overall stance on collecting what I like, right? Collect what you like. Well, that hasn't changed for me in this time. I would say that the methods that I use to do that, they have evolved from week to week, especially over the course of this summer. Um, and I know I'm probably not the only content creator that's going to have some version of this, but I want to talk about uh, my last week or two of mail. Some things going in and some things going out. Because I think that's kind of a unique way and a more personalized way to share my perspective of collecting and my perspective of the hobby in 2020. And one of the big themes is going to be try to find good, honest, effective means to grow your collection in the way you want. Um, you need to be in control. And the good news is you don't have to let other people dictate what you like and what you collect. Now, uh, when I say I'm going to talk about a week or two of mail, I'm not going to talk about every single piece. Like a lot of you, I get a lot of mail. In fact, if Mrs. Wax Museum sees me come back from the mailbox empty-handed, she'll say something like, what, no mail? Right? Because it's a very common thing here to walk in the door with yellow bubble mailers. And, you know, truth be told, it's a great feeling. Um, you know, there's something, I, I've talked about it before, there's something I love about getting stuff in the mail. Um, and then all this mail that I'm going to talk about, that's not even counting some of the binders and lots that I've been buying as well. That's a conversation for another day. However, I do have a handful of cards from the last week or two that I'd like to share, and I think are representative of my actions in the hobby right now. And this is not to say that, that my approach is the right one for you. As always, it's just something to consider, and I appreciate the opportunity to share. So um, let's split this into three little sections for this last segment. Trading, buying and selling, and long-term payoffs. Okay, so first we have trading. Um, if I were to look back on my last five years in the hobby, I would say I've probably completed less than five trades. 
You know, that's not counting when friends and I just send each other stuff. I'm talking legitimate, real trades. And the reason is for me, they've been frustrating and a lot of times they're not practical. Um, when it comes to nice cards, a lot of people prefer to trade them over selling them, especially in times like now, because think about it, you know, there are a lot of people that can offer cash. There are only so many people that can offer other rare cards in return. So I understand that aspect of it. Um, you know, the problem for my collection is I'm generally not trading for superstars, but that's what people want in return. And I can't justify, um, you know, liquidating all of my LeBron stuff or my Luca rookies for Danny Granger, even though I like Danny Granger a lot. You have to draw the line at some point. Um, you know, I talked about this when I had a chat with Steve, the, the Jay Crowder collector as well. We talked about that. Um, and then also, that, that's just kind of your nicer cards. Also, for low-end cards, um, it's hard to trade cards that are worth less than $4 when it's going to cost me that to send them in the mail anyway. And, you know, I, I know I could do a, a plain white envelope trade, which I tried that earlier this year. Um, and neither person ended up with their end of the deal. Somehow both envelopes got lost in the mail. I have no idea what happened to those cards. And thankfully, you know, he was a good sport about it. We both ended up just chalking it up as a loss. Oh, well, right. Um, just a side note here, ComC, if you're listening, please give us a trade feature. I would pay a small fee to trade cards all the time. Um, anyway, all of that is to say trading and that's high-end or low-end, has been very difficult for me. However, over the last week, I completed a trade with another team collector on Instagram, and it was a really enjoyable experience. So I want to outline that real quick, but, you know, as with many other things, there's a backstory. So a couple of years ago, I opened uh, a number, I can just say a number, because who knows how many, right? A number of 2005, 2006 tops total boxes. And this is a low-end product. Um, over the years, I've opened probably 15 or 20 boxes of this product. My main purpose has always been to pull a Pacers gold card number to 10 or a Pacers printing plate. Um, they're not worth a lot, but they're not easy for me to find at this point. And I'd love to personally pull one for my PC because I, I put an experience cost on that. And, or at least I, I project one on that. I've never done it, so I don't know if it'll actually pay off. But long story short, I haven't pulled one of these Pacers cards. Even though I have a lot of them, I haven't actually pulled one myself. Um, so in one of these boxes that I opened, I pulled a Ray Allen gold card number to 10. Um, which by all means, this is a valuable card to the right person, at least valuable in proportion to the, the value of the box. Nothing that's going to break the bank, but it's probably a 60 or $70 card. And um, I got to the point where these boxes were getting really hard to find and they were just too expensive to break. And I was getting absolutely killed on these things. And I say that knowing that that was pre-2020, so maybe... Um, you know, looking back, it doesn't seem so bad, but at the time, I felt like I was getting killed on these boxes. Well, anyway, about a year ago, a user named House of Sonics reached out to me and let me know that he would like to, uh, he'd like an opportunity to trade for the Ray Allen card. And, you know, to his credit, he even offered me a Jamal Tinsley one of one from another product, which was a good offer. 
but I really wanted to um, somehow turn this card into a Pacers tops total gold. And that's what I told him. I said, find me any player, even if it's Boomer the mascot, even if it's an assistant coach, not counting the um, ones that pop up on eBay, find me any of those and this thing is yours. You know, even if the one that you bring me is a, is a $10 card. Well, a year passed and they're just not surfacing, right? They're, they're hard to find. So um, he messaged me again last week with a, a friendly message. And, and I've done this before too. I think this is a good idea. If there's somebody that, um, you know, is open to trading with you and you couldn't work something out, you know, reconnect with them later. So he sent me a message. He said, hey, do you still have that Ray Allen gold? Um, you know, he said, I might have some other Pacer stuff I can dig up. And he did. He ended up digging some things up and he showed me six really nice cards. Um, one of them being a Jalen Rose credentials that I really liked. Um, you know, it was gold too, right? So I said, well, uh, what value do you put on that Jalen Rose? And his answer was pretty funny. He said, a Ray Allen tops total gold. And that was that. We made the trade. Um, I got the card in the mail this past week, and I really like it, right? So even though there this was a year or so in the making, it wasn't difficult necessarily. Um, there wasn't any debate about value. Uh, we each had a card that the other person liked. Uh, it was fun, and you know there wasn't a hassle. Um, it felt good to make a traditional trade again. And um, I would say that this encouraged me to be a lot more open to trading moving forward because I'd kind of um, shut myself off from that idea and that concept just because it, it, it's like I, I, I had a hunch where every trade was going to end up just wasted time and no cards. Um, so this kind of restored that. So um, with the way things are moving in 2020, I was thinking about this. And I think this influences my perspective on buying and selling as well. So that's our second part here. And this can be explained using another batch of cards that I sent out and then some that I had coming in. So I'm still using my mail to, to frame this whole conversation here. Um, there was a Ron Artest printing plate that had been listed on eBay several times over the last three to four months. And I really liked it. In fact, I had um, messaged the seller before and, and they said, um, you know, would you do 40 shipped? I said, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather do 35. We didn't come to a deal. I messaged them again later on and asked if, uh, hey, would you do 40? And they didn't even reply. I think they were just sick of me. Um, but they wanted $55 shipped and that's just high for a pre-Panini printing plate from the 2000s. So out of principle, Sometimes when we act out of principle, um, we miss out. But out of principle, I, I just couldn't justify spending that amount. Well, at the same time, I was going through my card show inventory because um, I hadn't set up at a card show since February. You know, I used to set up at a local show every month. I hadn't set up since February. Uh, it shouldn't be, you know, think about what all's happened since then. It shouldn't be a surprise that I had to triple the sticker price of most of my cards. Well, I had one card in there, uh, you know, among many others, um, a 2019-2020 uh, Prism Orange Cracked Ice Kobe Bryant that I'd pulled out of a hanger. And, uh, you know, these went up a little bit after he passed away. 
Um, and I even at that time in February, I priced it at $20, which was more than fair. Um, and, and there were no bites. Well, I looked it up now. I assumed it had dropped, you know, to 10, maybe even lower than that. And to my surprise, these were selling for, these are now selling for 50 bucks, which, you know, you could say, well, hangers were tough and, you know, prisms dried up and it, it's a great, it is a great looking card, but, um, you know, that card for $50 just seemed crazy to me. I would have happily sold it for 20 in February, but, um, I posted it for 50 and, um, didn't take long. A big Kobe fan snatched it up. You know, he gets a great card for his PC and at the time, I was very happy with my $50. Well, you might be able to see where this is going. Um, shortly after this, I thought about that R test printing plate again. But I was hung up on the price because, you know, $55 is a lot for a printing plate, principles, blah, 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 right? But then I, I, I stepped back, you know, I thought about the, the trade angle of this. I thought about um, the trade that I had made earlier this, or, you know, earlier that week. And I, I told myself, you know what? If I was sitting across the table from someone and I had this Kobe card and they had that Ron Artest plate and they said, you know, straight up, we're not going to look at values, right? Straight up. I'll trade you this Ron Artest plate for your Kobe Bryant cracked ice. Well, you know, I would have done that in a heartbeat. Um, or if I would have pulled that Artest plate from a hanger, I would have been ecstatic. It would have been like one of my... Favorite pulls ever. So if I sell a card for $50 and then I turn around and buy a card for $50, isn't that essentially the same thing as making that trade? Yes, it is. Um, now, that doesn't mean I'm going to constantly let people gouge me for cards that I want, but in this case, it was okay. In my head, after I made that purchase, I told myself, you know what, you really just traded that Kobe that you... You know, I have other Kobe cards I like, so I ha I didn't really have an attachment to this one. You traded that Kobe card for a Ron Artest plate that you really wanted. Um, and with things being as crazy as they are right now in the hobby, I have a strong feeling that I'm going to have to frame some other purchases in a similar fashion going forward. And I'm okay with that. Let me give you one more example. And this is one I posted on my Instagram earlier this week. As I continued to sort through my card show inventory, I took a quick look in my quarter box. You know, I mentioned a lot of cards tripled in price. Well, I looked in my quarter box and I noticed two 2019-2020 Prism Luca base cards. And I thought, well, let me see what those are going for. I looked them up. They're selling for $15 a piece, which is absolutely absurd to me. And earlier, you know, I talked about riding the waves. Well, one of the big waves right now is first and second year prism cards and then second year cards in general. Um, I know that second year cards aren't anything new. You know, I know with baseball in the 80s, that was especially big. Uh, that trend has been around for a long time, but it seems to have really emerged once again. Now, for me, remember, this is just me personally. I'm not telling you what you should think. But for me, a player's second year card doesn't mean much unless it's a player that's absolutely out of my reach to begin with. So I'm talking extreme examples like Michael Jordan or Bill Russell. You know, in a, in a case of a player like Luca, I have plenty of his rookie stuff. I pulled his rookie stuff. 
Um, I was there for the rookie year and I got into that stuff relatively low. So the second year stuff doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, so with that being said, um, you know, I'm going to capitalize on the opportunity now that it's there. I threw those two things online. Um, I asked for 30 bucks and they sold almost instantly. Not only that, there were several people that chimed in right after that sounded disappointed that they didn't get it in on um, two base cards for $30. And trust me, on my side, I couldn't put those things in a bubble mailer fast enough, just like my Scotty Pippen metal base during the last dance frenzy, which thankfully were not returned. Um, you know, that was an easy $30. Well, at the same time, I just happened to be reading um, reading a book about basketball cards, go figure. And the author was talking about the 1948 Bowman set. And there's one card I've wanted in that set for a long time, which is the George Mikan rookie. Well, I don't see that happening soon. So I still, you know, I, I don't have any, I didn't have any cards from that set. So I thought, you know, I, I've got to change that. So I jumped on eBay to see what was out there. And to my delight, I stumbled across a uh, Bob Davies rookie in an SGC slab for $29 shipped. Okay, now remember, I just made $30 on those Luca cards. This Bob Davies slab rookie was $29 shipped. So once again, you know, new mindset, right? I essentially traded two Luca base cards for a 72-year-old rookie card of a Hall of Famer that's already in an SGC slab. And... My, you could probably tell from the tone of my voice there. My first reaction uh, was to message some of my close friends in the hobby and relay the absurdity of the situation to them, or at least that's the way I saw it, right? A part of me felt like I had pulled off some great, unthinkable heist. Um, but, you know, I had to step back for a moment and tell myself and remind myself someone out there really values those Luka cards for that amount. And, you know, I say all of this and, and I'm not trying to belittle anyone that does. I'll never fully understand it, um, but I don't have to. And that's how the hobby functions in 2020. Um, so if you haven't done so already, figure out what you like and pursue that stuff accordingly. And when you put it that way, it sounds simple, but when you go to take action, sometimes you'll find that it's not. Um, and that's where we end up today. I want to talk about the long-term payoff. And in this case, I'm not talking about money. Um, you know, this is something that goes back to my conversation with Tim last week. He, he missed getting Magic Johnson's autograph at Michigan State. And that eventually fueled him to restart a hobby that he enjoyed for, you know, multiple decades that followed. Well, in similar fashion you're going to have some misses or maybe you'll even experience some hobby fails in the year 2020. And you have to understand that you're playing the long game. And some of the things that happen to you now and the decisions that you make, you know, the cards you pursue, the cards you miss out on, the people you connect with, okay, don't underestimate that, and then how you treat those people and treat people in the hobby, it all adds up. Case in point, you know, I'm framing this around my mail days. Well, there was one more card that I got in the mail in these last couple of weeks that I want to share with you. Um, 
back in May of, of 2017. Of course, there's backstory, right? Um, back in May of 2017, someone posted a thread on the blowout forums about Topps Total Cards. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I've, I've been a bit obsessive about getting these Pacers Golds and Pacers Plates. And um, in the middle of that thread, someone posted a picture of a Scott Pollard printing plate. And he mentioned, you know, that he was just showing it and that it wasn't for sale. Um, he, you know, of course I was a little bummed out, but I, I have cards that, you know, I'm the same way with and, and I understood. Um, but I did let him know. I said, if it ever becomes available, just let me know. But this wasn't a, a frequent poster. I think he'd only posted about 10 or 11 times. So as time passed, I, I forgot his username and I moved on. Okay, that was May of 2017. So fast forward to Easter of 2020. So we're talking um, almost three years later. Um, a listener with the Instagram handle Slang and Rocks messaged me to just to thank me for everything that I, I do with the show and to you know drop me some comments, which I really appreciated. And um, you know I looked at his page and, and we got to talking. And we quickly discovered that we had very similar interest in mid-2000s cards. And he even showed off a Scott Pollard printing plate. Well, sounds familiar, right? Well, I had forgotten about this blowout thread from 2017, and um, he didn't mention it to me either. So once again, uh, same situation. He said it was part of his collection. Uh, he was just showing it. And once again, I was bummed out, but I respected that, and I didn't want to bug him about it anymore. Well, fast forward three months later, I checked my mailbox, and there's a, a, a plain white envelope in there, and I open it up, and there's a Scott Pollard printing plate inside, and a nice note that went along with it, and, and part of that note said, um, this belongs in your tops total Pacers collection. Of course, that was, you know, same person I had interacted with three years ago, same person I was interacting with now on Instagram. Um, I didn't do all of that. You know, everything that led up to that was not so I could get that Scott Pollard printing plate. You know, I didn't make friends just to make, just to try and get that plate. In fact, I didn't even remember it was that person. Uh, and, it, you know, the interesting thing about this, it's one of those cards that meant more to both of us than it would probably fetch on eBay. And I knew that he liked this plate and I was absolutely floored. I still am by this gesture. In fact, I placed that note that he wrote me in the top loader with the plate before I put it with the rest of my collection. Um, I've been chasing these plates for 15 years. I would have been thrilled to buy it off of eBay but it meant so much more happening as it did. So in short, uh, there are a number of lessons that you could take from that. And really everything that I said today. Um, I'm not going to try and pick them out for you. We're all different. But I encourage you to, to chew on this and chew on what I've said for a little while. Think about what it means to you. Think about your own hobby um, perspective and your perspective on collecting in 2020. And as you go throughout the course of your week, you know, if you'd like, feel free to drop me a comment about um, your perspective on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast, or my Twitter, 
which is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store, tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.